Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Karen Cakebread, founder of Ziada Wines in the Napa Valley. Karen, it is fantastic to be here with you today. Thank you, Michelle. It's my pleasure to be here with you. Karen, so much fun. We just wrapped up a tasting of your portfolio wines. I've got to thank you for that. Before we talk about everything Ziada Wines, I want to talk about your career. It's kind of a fascinating one. You grew up in Palo Alto. You're a native. You actually had a first career in high tech. I did. I lived in Silicon Valley and worked at Hewlett Packard for 10 plus years. And what did you do there? Mostly marketing and various aspects of the company. Uh, One thing I loved about Hewlett Packard is you could change jobs every few years, but still remain with the company. And I was there in the days when Bill and Dave were still running Hewlett Packard. So I'm dating myself a bit, but I feel like those were the best years. So did you ever dream that you would be living in the Napa Valley and owning a wine brand? No, not exactly. Um, As I was a young gal, I used to go to the local college and take wine tasting classes. I would come up to Napa Valley and do the typical wine tasting. And funny story, one of my first stops in Napa Valley was at Charles Krug Winery. And I remember, I don't remember the wine specifically, but I remember the story the gentleman behind the bar was telling me about the mud bass of Calistoga. (laughs) And so that intrigued me. And eventually I did make it to the mud bass at some point. I have yet to do that. Before you started your own brand, you actually ended up at Cake Bread Cellars. So you want to talk about how you entered into the wine industry? How did you get swayed away from Hewitt Packard? Well, I met a guy at work with a funny last name of Cake Bread. (laughs) And we were both working in the finance and accounting department of a particular division of Hewlett Packard. So we just, in those days, we used to just hang out. You know, all the folks that worked together, we used to just hang out and go out after work. And we just got to know each other. And the next thing I know... I was getting married, and now my name is Cakebread, which is really funny because I have a lot of nicknames. Really? Like what? Oh, Cupcake, Cornbread. <laughs> I mean, it goes on and on. People get very creative about giving me Cakebread nicknames. Do you like it? I think it's funny. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Since you have no control over it, I guess. Correct. So you married a Cakebread. And you instantly started working in the family business? Not exactly. I was coming up to the Napa Valley and helping out on the weekends in their tasting room. And this was when there was nothing more than a metal desk and a wine rack behind me. Everything was written up on a a three-copy invoice paper. It It was pretty basic. And then my husband then-husband, had an opportunity to move to Hong Kong and start a job uh, running the Far East region for Hewlett-Packard in Hong Kong. So 
we packed our bags and we moved to Hong Kong. And Cape Bread was just starting to export wine to Asia at that time. So I started helping the winery out with marketing in the region. And one thing led to another. And when I finally moved back permanently to the Napa Valley, I went to work for the family. Right. You already had some good international experience under your belt. Right. And then I spent another three years in Singapore. So I was, we were in Asia for a total of five years. And it was really interesting experience because back in those days, all the um, restaurants were in hotels and they were all European. So it was like banging my head against the wall trying <laughs> to convince a German or a French or a Brit to you know, buy enough Valley wine for the same price as they would be buying a Bordeaux wine. Oh, wow. You learned a lot. And when you got back to the States, you moved to the Napa Valley? Well, kind of. I was coming out each year during harvest and working harvest with the family. One of my favorite things was uh, going out in the morning and grape sampling. So I was standing out in the vineyard one morning, and I just looked around, and it was quiet. It was beautiful. And I just said, I belong here. That was my aha moment. I was standing in that vineyard, and I said, I, this is where I belong. So I just knew it in my soul, and I eventually did end up here permanently and um, have had an amazing experience working with the family at Cake Bread Cellars and now the ability uh, to start my own brand called Seattle Wines. So, and let's talk about that. You named it after your mother. I did. And you started this brand in 2008. I did. Yes, yeah, so... I resigned from Cake Bread Cellars at the end of 2006. I felt in my heart I really needed to do something that would allow me to be involved from vineyard to bottle. So without much thought, I launched my own brand. And I think one of the hardest things was coming up with a brand name, being in a highly regulated business and uh, naming something that was similar to someone else's was was uh, a big no-no. So everything I was considering was already on a label. You've heard that, I'm sure, many times. So my mother's middle name was Annunziata. That's the Italian side of my heritage. And I used to call her that when I was a kid. So growing up, I, I just thought it was the coolest name. So one day I was sitting at my desk, and I thought, all right, I have to make up a name. I looked up all my grandfathers, all the Italian side of the family. I was looking up their names, and they were all on a label somewhere. So at that point, I realized I had to make something up. So I sat at my desk. I wrote out her name, and it ends in Z-I-A-T-A. And that Z jumped out at me, and I said it out loud. And I thought, wow, it's pretty phonetic. It's simple. It, you know, basic 101 marketing is... Naming a brand is something people can pronounce, people can remember, and it shouldn't be more than five letters. So hopefully I hit it. I think you did. So you came up with this great name, jumped into the wine business, and you've been highly successful. It's a nice boutique brand. And what varietals did you focus on? Well, of course, you know, I live in Napa Valley, so I, I uh, focused on Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir. Friends thought I was crazy because in 2008, we were going into a financial crisis. I was making a Sauvignon Blanc and a Pinot Noir, which is not exactly what Napa Valley is known for. 
And it was just something I felt I wanted to do. These are varietals that I love to drink. And I think they're versatile with a lot of different foods. And so that was where I was starting. I wish I was, I would get to the Cabernet and Chardonnay eventually, but that's where I started. Is there someone that helped mentor you along the way? I mean, you hadn't started a wine brand before on your own. Well, I just absorb information. Uh, I'm much better at hands-on doing something than I am reading a book and going to school. So I was fortunate enough that my in-laws allowed me to be part of the team at Cake Bread Sellers. And with Jack Cake Bread, because of my international time living overseas, was just starting to market to that area. And so he sort of took me under his wing. And we went off and traveled around the world marketing and selling cake bread wines. So that was really rewarding. And then on the home front, Dolores was really instrumental in giving me the opportunity to work in the kitchen and the hospitality side of the business and really learn about wine and food and entertaining. So that and then my dear friend, John Schaefer, who's now gone, but he was always so supportive. And when I was in the uh, marketing side of the business at Cape Bread Sellers, I was part of the international team that traveled around the world marketing Napa Valley wines. And John was always there pouring his wines and always super supportive. And it was just, I, I'm just feeling so lucky that I had a chance to work with those sort of founding fathers of Napa Valley. And there were many in that group. So I think all of them, I guess, is the short answer. They certainly helped you while you were at Cake Bread Cellars. Was there anyone that helped you as you were launching Ziada? Well, in this valley, after being, uh, you know, after spending 18 years at Cake Bread Cellars, I got to know a lot of people. So I could pick up the phone and call somebody that knew about compliance or somebody that knew about I needed a winemaker called Heidi Barrett. I said, Heidi, I need a winemaker. She said, oh, you should talk to Ann Vodder. So I spoke with Ann, who was one of her protégés, and we you know, ended up working together, launching the brand. So I think there's this, for me, it's the whole community. I can't hang my hat on one specific person because it was really everybody was so supportive in the startup. What's been the most challenging part of having this new brand that you created introducing it to the world (laughs) (laughs) but you've done so so well i mean you've had the brand for 12 years now it's a stellar product well i think as you know i think any wine producer winemaker will tell you one of the hardest things about creating a wine brand is actually selling it Uh, a good friend of mine a very wise friend of mine told me one time that you can count on your friends to buy the first vintage, but then you need to go find real customers after that. And that stuck in my brain. So I, you know, I I just uh, traveled, got some distributors, started doing wine events. And, you know, it's just like make a bottle, sell a bottle. It was a slow, it was a slow build. And um, I learned a lot. So I just, I always had somebody I could pick up the phone and call. Top moment of your career so far? Sorry, my brand? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a big one. It was a lot more than I had anticipated it would be. And 
two things happen. I've, I realized I knew more than I thought I knew, but then there was a lot of things I didn't know, and it was a really steep learning curve. So I think that starting that brand, I had a chance also to develop a vineyard up at one of my properties from scratch up in the mountains. So that was really interesting and exciting. So I think that, I think like building a vineyard and starting my brand, I would say. Okay. And taking my mom with me on my sales calls. So what's ahead for you from a career standpoint? What more do you want to do? What's on the horizon? I guess I would just like to make Ziada a bit more of a household name. Um, You know, it is a very small brand. We're mostly a restaurant wine and direct-to-consumer. So I love meeting people. I want to continue doing that. I, You know, I say, well, plan for an hour, come and taste, plan for an hour, and it's like two, three hours later, we're still drinking and talking. (laughs) So I really uh, get joy from from meeting new people and introducing them to the brand. So I just think I just want to keep doing that. Okay. You have five fantastic wines. What do you think is the hidden gem? Oh, boy. That's a tough question. I know. I mean, I might, I have a thought, but I'm curious what you might think. You know, I am a Pinot lover, Mm -hmm. and I feel like Pinot can satisfy a lot of different people no matter what you're having you know i think about wine at the table with with food and i think that it crosses a lot of boundaries with different types of wine and i think pinot is a very sensual wine there's just something special about it i i just love that but the hidden gem uh well i think what it, is yours what well do you i think, think it, it is? could be the pinot because you're a napa valley producer and i think people wouldn't think of the pinot all the wines are stellar but i think it is a fantastic pinot it's got a lot of great structure and a lot of fantastic fruit and i think that someone that comes to taste ziada isn't going to think about tasting a pinot from a Napa Valley producer. So I think it could be potentially overlooked, and that would be a mistake. Yeah, it's the only non-Napa wine in the portfolio. Yeah, but it's still California. It is. And it's fantastic. It's my first love. (laughs) So if somebody wants to come taste wines or purchase some of your wines, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, since my wines are primarily restaurant wines and fine wine shops, I would say the easiest way is just to go to my website, which is theoutofwines.com. Call me. My phone number is on there. And um, yes, I have a place here in Napa Valley in St. Helena that I can host tastings, which is... uh, On the website? It's not on the website. That would have to be a direct email to me. Because I am uh, in a partnership with Trincaro family, and there's a beautiful winery in North St. Helena called Trincaro Napa Valley, where I host my guests. So it's very private. It's not open to the public, so it is definitely by appointment. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. All right. Well, let's jump into your personal life now. Well, I'm thinking you might have already alluded to the fact that you live in Calistoga. I do. Because I know you just a little, 
I know that you have lived in a few places in the Napa Valley. Why do you live in Calistoga now? Because it is the coolest place in Napa Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's where the cool kids live now. It is. It's, it's like we don't want to tell anybody that because we love that it's a bit low-key and off the beaten track. But we also, Calistogans, feel like we're at the top of the Napa Valley. And uh, we are surrounded by these beautiful mountains, and it's just gorgeous. The Palisades, there's hiking, there's, there's just so much richness there in the community. We take a step inside your home. What would we see? What's your decorating style? I would say contemporary with an Asian flair. Hmm. After five years in Asia, it does sort of rub off on you. Predominant color? Green. Dark green, light green? Medium green. It's like okay. a, yeah. I, it's kind of a, my living room, dining room, kitchen is sort of a, a green with a little bit maybe of a grayish or taupey undertone. Okay. It's when people walk in the door, the first thing they say, it's so calm in here. Mm-hmm. It's very sort of relaxing and calming. And that's how I like to live my life. To be calm. When you kick back and relax, what kind of music do you like to put on? Ooh, I grew up with two older brothers, so I, I kind of, you know, I know this words to all the oldies. <laughs> so Motown <laughs> definitely is my jam. I love Motown. I love jazz. I, I love a lot of music. I love country. So I have a, a, a lot of different genres on my my Sonus program that I can pick from. And it's very moody. Music to me is moody, just like wine is moody. It's like what I'm in the mood for. And if I'm cooking, sometimes I want to be relaxed and sometimes I want to like sing along with Motown songs. So it just depends on my mood. Okay. Do you have a hobby? Do you collect anything? Uh, What do I collect? Do you have a hidden talent? Oh, I'm a pretty good bowler. Really? Yeah. When's the last time you bowled? Pre-COVID, unfortunately. I'm I'm dying to go bowling. (laughs) I have a group of friends in Calistoga, we go bowling every month together, and then we go to a restaurant. We really go bowling so we can go eat and drink afterwards, <laughs> but the best part is we've named ourselves the Calistoga Hookers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> you asked. <laughs> the only bowling alley I know is in Napa. Santa Rosa. Oh, there's one in Santa Rosa. All right. Okay. Well, look out for that bowling team, everyone. (laughs) Is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you other than bowling? Uh, Perhaps something that you did as a child, uh, something out of the ordinary. You know, do you repel down mountains, skydive? I don't know. Well, something crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess my claim to fame is that I actually summited Mount Kilimanjaro. So I have a group of, had a group of women, we're still all here, it's just that we don't go hike mountains anymore, who started trekking to raise money for breast cancer back in 1997. And our first trip was to Nepal. And then we raised money literally just by asking people to send us money. Then one of our friends said, well, when are you going to summit something? We're like, well, we didn't even know we were going to go on another trip. So we, we did some research. We said, oh, yeah, we think that we can, we can summit Kilimanjaro. So that was our, our second trip. 
And then we just continued raising money. Every time we went, we raised probably between eighty to $90,000 for breast cancer. And we just kept doing it every few years. And so we've that that was an amazing experience. But I would say summiting Kilimanjaro is the only one that we really summited. That's fantastic. You've done extensive traveling. I mean, you have gone to Turkey, Africa, India, and more. Is there a meaningful trip? that you can share? I would say I fell in love with Nepal. I actually, living in Hong Kong, one thing I realized is I am not a big city girl. And I guess that's why living in Napa Valley suits my personality. So when I was there, I always felt like I needed to escape to someplace peaceful. And one day I just went to the travel agent in town and said, I need to go somewhere quiet. And she said, all right, I think you should go trekking in Nepal. So that was my first trip. And I've, I, so I've done that three times. So I guess that's, wow. that has, uh, you know, it's near and dear. So but what is it about Nepal that's so special to you? I think it's just being in the mountains. One thing about hiking in Nepal is you're, you're traveling through villages. You're, you're seeing how people live. You're playing with the little kids. You, you can't speak the language, but you can speak the language without speaking the language. You know, there's a lot of eye contact, hands, you know, kind of, it's it's just body language. You can, you can speak to them. Uh, And it's just amazing to see how people live and, and survive with very little. It just makes you step back and think about how lucky we are and all the things that we have. And after coming out of the mountains in Nepal, I was like, I don't want to go back to town. I don't want to go back to a city. I just want to stay here and be peaceful and quiet. But I think that that's what really um, resonated with me and the beauty. It's spectacular. I've not been, so I'm intrigued. We're in wine country. Other than your own wine, what do you like to drink at home? And it doesn't have to be wine. I'm a gin girl. I give me a gin and tonic, give me a Negroni. Uh, I like experimenting. I have a friend that is equally passionate about gin as I am. What I love about gin is the aromatics and the different flavors and the, all the botanicals that are involved in it. I guess that's why it's kind of like wine in a way. It's there's no one. It's all they're all different and they all have different personalities. So I would say gin. I'm in a big rosé mood right now, so I drink a lot of rosé. Probably Pinot. You know, I just have a selection of things in my cellar, and it just depends on what I feel like, what I'm eating, and who's coming to dinner. When you have company come to town, what are three things that you think that they have to do? Other than come taste your wine, which is a given, three top places that they have to visit. Well, most people come here to eat and taste wine. Mm -hmm. So um, there's that, but there's also hiking. Um, There's a a beautiful lake up here that you can go hike. I think going to the spas, you know, is always fun. And if you're coming here, you want to just kind of have fun and relax. So, and of course, there's always the mud baths in Calistoga. Yeah, those mud baths. (laughs) They keep coming back. I know. I'm scared. I don't know what happens in those, in that mud. So I don't, I don't want to get in. Just remember, it's really hot. So nothing will, nothing bad will live in that heat. Okay, so mud baths. Well, a lot of people do air, hot air balloons. I'm talking about what you recommend what your recommend. friend. I recommend that if people want to really enjoy Napa Valley, don't over schedule yourself. 
maybe one, have a nice breakfast, go do a tasting, have a nice lunch, maybe a late lunch, maybe another tasting or two, take a break, take a nap, get a massage, go to dinner. That's my typical day would be in Napa Valley. Definitely do not overbook. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready? I hope. <laughs> I promise I won't trip you up. Okay. Okay. First question. What's your favorite flower? I love gardenias. Okay. Second question. What's your favorite holiday? I would say Thanksgiving. What kind of car do you drive? I have a Lexus SUV hybrid. Okay. Who is one of your favorite clothing designers? <laughs> J. Crew. <laughs> okay. like, That's good. <laughs> I'm not a super designer kind of person. I live in jeans and uh, t-shirts and boots most of the year. That's all right. And what are some of the things in your nightstand? My iPad, my reading glasses, my little lavender thing that you put over your eyes when you want to relax and block all the light out and just sort of have a quiet moment. There you go. There's your five quick questions. Okay, Karen. I passed. <laughs> you did it. So much fun to sit down with you today, and I really appreciate your time. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Michelle. It's been fun with all your pop quizzes and questions. <laughs> I really appreciate your time and, and taking the time to taste the wines and, and getting to know Zada. It was fantastic. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.